Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's like, please just get I promise we'll win the game. <laughs> you know, uh, I promise we'll win it. Just get it back. And, uh, and, and the defense did. And, uh, and we were able to, you know, go back down the field and win the game. To be honest, I was a little defeated. When I came back to the sideline, I was frustrated, and, and Derek grabbed me and said, I'm coming right back to you, and you're going to win this game for us. I usually think around the 35. You know, um, <laughs> when Seabass was here, he would usually say, get me to the 50. And I'd be like, Seabass, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Uh, when I'm, when I'm kind of in the zone, I'm so focused, that kind of all, you know, I'm not very good at multitasking. You could ask my wife if I'm on my phone. <laughs> I'm not going to hear her yell at me either. So, um, so uh, yeah, definitely, maybe that's a good thing. Nothing causes that fake country accent to kick in like a thrilling come from behind victory by the Las <laughs> Vegas funny. Raiders. What? Good morning. It's oh. Christmas week. I shouldn't be like that. No, Why am I like that? Because you're the Grinch. Because you're the Grinch. <laughs> it's hard. It's also it's also Festivus week, so right. it's time to air grievances. Right. Now, see, here's the thing. When you call somebody the Grinch, you have to remember that the Grinch ultimately does achieve his redemption. The Grinch is redeemable. Right. So call me Grinch. Yeah. Call me Grinch. You're redeemable. Because well, the Grinch has his moment. We... But the Grinch has his moment. I may be plotting my raid on Whoville now. But I will have my moment. We know in that. In just four days. We, okay. <laughs> we know that. No doubt about it. What's up, man? You good? How did you enjoy your uh, doubleheader of Monday Night Football? I want it every week. Give yeah. us doubleheader Monday oh. every week. I'm surprised we don't already have it. And by the time, by the time, and I've said this before, but please bear with me in the event you haven't heard it before or you have forgotten, when we get to the point where the same technology that is in the garage, is it the garage? It would be the attic above my garage. That's what it is. The attic above my garage. Got it right. I understand how my house was constructed. 
which allows me to communicate in real time with Chris Sims, who is 700 or 500 or some hundred miles away in Connecticut, by the time that is in our homes and allows instantaneous transfer of visual and sound from game sites to our homes or to our phones or to our tablets or wherever we are, and that technology is out there as evidenced by the fact that it's happening right now between Chris and me. Yes. That's when there will be maximum windows because that's when I was telling my son and one of his friends about it last night. We were watching the game down in our barn. That's when we'll be watching the game and we'll have our phones and we'll have the opportunity to bet a dollar or two. I don't know, whatever amount that we responsibly would like to wager on the next play, the outcome of the next play. Whether the next play is a run or a pass, whether or not they get the first down, whether or not the field goal is good. It's going to basically turn football into a casino. Yeah, and 100%. it's going to be in every home, and it's going to be on every phone. And the way to maximize that casino experience is to maximize the number of windows in which the games occur. Two on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The only days that are off limits are Friday and Saturday for now because those are in place to protect high school and college football as part of the trade-off that allowed the NFL to have an antitrust exemption when they sell their rights to all of the networks. You don't get to buy just the Cowboys. you got to buy all of them, even the teams you'd rather not have on your network. Not that I will name any of those teams, but any given year you know who they are, and they know who they are. So, yeah, a Doubleheader Monday is coming, I think. Tuesday as a regular course is coming. Wednesday is in play. The challenge becomes scheduling, but... The, the money will drive the solution. I, I would hope so. I mean, I hope it doesn't water down the sport. I, I know there's some people that feel like, oh, man, you know, uh, I, I like the tease of the week, right? You get, you know, Monday night, okay, you go a few days, you wait till Thursday, you go a few more days, and you wait for the Sunday explosion of all those games. But I'm like you. I'd rather be able to digest them all a little bit better than seven games at the 1 p.m. hour. Uh, I enjoyed it last night. It was. It was great to be able to like sit down at 5 p.m. and be like, all right, going to sit here, watch some ball. You know, kids are around doing homework, whatever else. Wife's cooking some dinner and you're watching a game. I mean, it's not bad. I'm looking forward to that tonight, too. I'm actually disappointed that both games are on at the same time. I want to go like, why? What the hell? These games weren't going to be on at the same time on on Sunday. Why are they on the same time now? I guess that they want to maximize viewership and, and people who can get to the stadium. But I'm with you, Mike. I like it. I think it's all going there. You're right. Betting, the games are open casino as is. It's only going to c- continue to grow. And uh, it, it's something to look forward to. I, I, one, will be in total favor of it. Yeah, when you see what they are trying to do at the various stadiums where there will be sports betting there and there'll be from your seat in-game betting. That's what they want to try to bring into every single home. And and it's just a matter of getting the technology to that point. And they, they're working on it. And there's a tremendous financial incentive to work on it. And it isn't critical until there's a critical mass of states that have legalized it and they're getting there faster and faster. I don't know. It's north of 25 right now. And some big states are online to eventually uh, – you know, make it happen. And that's that's when it will change dramatically. It, it'll be more dramatic, I think, than what fantasy football did to the way that you view the NFL. Because a lot of people didn't like fantasy football at first because it, it screwed up rooting interests. 
but it made you interested in a lot more games than the ones you used to right, be interested in. Right. Before fantasy football, you were in, you had a favorite team because why would you follow the sport if you didn't? Right. You had your favorite team and you watched their games, you were interested in their games, and you were interested in select games involving their division rivals, or if you're in a wild card chase, somebody else, or if there was some team out there that you really hated, like the Cowboys, which is one of the reasons why the Cowboys, you know, they they, they, they have a great following and they have a great anti-following as well. Yeah. We want to see the Cowboys lose. There's as many people, not as many, I don't know what the numbers are, but, not the, as but many, there's a lot of people that want to, want to root against them. Right. Back yeah. in the 70s and 80s, there were a lot of people who wanted to root against the Cowboys, love to see them lose. And people tuned in for their games. Now it changed with fantasy football, and it's going to change even more because it's not going to matter who's playing. You could have Jaguars Texans on tonight. If you had the ability to sit there and wager on the outcomes of games, and you think, oh, I got, I got an idea. You know, everybody's got a system, everybody's yeah. got an idea right. about how they're going to make a little money. Hey, I'm going to have some fun here in this game. Hey, you know what? I otherwise wouldn't care about this game, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to settle in with my phone and I'm going to, you know, I got 50 bucks budgeted and over the course of the three hours, I'm going to you know, yeah. have a little fun and see if I can turn that 50 into 70 or 70 into a hundred or a hundred into 150, whatever the case may be. Again, do it responsibly. Everybody understands how much money they have that they can use on a discretionary basis. And within the confines of that, there will be opportunities to spend and to lose your money. Because again, this is all premised on the presumption by those offering up the wagering opportunities that over time the house will win because the house always does. But people keep playing because number one, they enjoy it. Number two, the losses come a little bit slowly. And, you know, I remember last year when I downloaded one of the apps and started playing blackjack. I mean, I eventually lost it all, but you know, the amount of time that it took me to lose it all, I, I, I was entertained. Yeah, it was worth it to you as long as long as you're yeah. not, yeah, you know, as long as you're not, you know, losing the house or losing the family jewels or anything like that. I get you. You're right. You just got to do it responsible. Well, kind of either, have a, a either lot kind, of, <laughs> either yeah. kind. It's dangerous. You don't want to lose either one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get yourself into a Los Angeles Lakers situation. That's for sure. Uh, I told that story last night, and uh, he said that on the air. Oh, yes, he did. Um, <laughs> hello, Vince Wilfork. Yes. All right, uh, but 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 anyway, doubleheader last night. And the the other thing about doing this show on the day after a doubleheader, you get to pick which game was better. And the game that was better was the game that we shared quotes from at the top of the program, the Raiders at the Browns. It didn't look like it was going to be very good. The Raiders were up 10 nothing. There was just kind of this slow suffocation. The Browns couldn't do anything. Seemed and like the it. The Browns, right. under Nick Mullins, 49ers, you could, you could have kept him. You, why do you want Trey Lance when you can have Nick Mullins? I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> but Nick Mullins and the Browns got it done and made it interesting. Let, let's hear a little bit from the Browns. It was a rough week for them. You had no head coach. It was. Mike Prefer took over for Kevin Stefanski. You had Nick Mullins signed off the street to play quarterback. And then you had some of your guys that were always going to be there who helped make a difference like a Nick Chubb. Here, here's some, some sound from the Browns after last night's last second loss. It really hurts. Uh, I mean, it was so cool. The stadium was rocking. Like, I, I really believed in the fourth quarter. This night was destined for Cleveland. Um, but some, some, sometimes it doesn't work out like that. At the end of the day, I was very, very, very proud of the effort fighting through the adversity that we had this week. Nobody batted an eye. Nobody made excuses. And we went out there and fought hard. That locker room right now is hurting. And that's the most I've seen it in that kind of pain. You know, you, you're upset when you lose. Obviously, you're joyous when you win, but um, when you lose that that type of game, that one's tough. And you know they're they're pretty down right now. Games like that, you'd rather lose by forty than lose by one. And 
lose about three seconds with a field goal. So, I mean, it's tough. At the end of the day, I mean, it's over with now, so we got to keep moving forward. We still have a chance. Everything is ahead of us, and we got to learn from this and keep going. I'm glad Nick Chubb said that. I've felt that way for years, that when you put in the three hours and you have your heart ripped out at the end, it's so much better to just know in the first quarter that it's over than to invest that much time and that much worry and that much stress and have it ripped from you at the end of the game. And for the Browns, the consequences couldn't have been more significant between winning and losing, between Daniel Carlson making or missing the second try from 48 after the first one was nullified by a timeout. Because if the Browns had won, if Carlson misses that kick, the Browns are in first place after 15 weeks. Carlson makes it, Chris, and the Browns are in last place. At 7-7, seven and seven, it's amazing. After 14 games played by all teams... Every team in the AFC North is at or above 500. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It is. And, of course, they got a short week. They got the Green Bay Packers on Christmas. I mean, that's not going to be an easy task. I mean, that was a big one for the Browns last night. I give them a lot of, like, credit. The effort was unreal. It was. I mean, you know, the circumstances they were up against, certainly not easy. I mean, just kind of gutting it out in the football game. You know, again, like you said, early on, it was just like, oh, man, it, this doesn't look good. Derek Carr's just going to pick them apart. You know, and they're going to slowly just whittle away the Cleveland Browns football team here, and and we're kind of going to get bored to death with eight yards, six yards, five yards, eight yards. I mean, wow. Uh, I kept going, man. It, it's got to be on Cleveland. Cleveland's run game, their defense to carry the carry the load or make the play to help the football team out, and eventually the defense did that. You know, getting the big fumble or the fumble, the the sack strip fumble on Derek Carr that changed the football game a little bit and made it competitive. You know, the Raiders kind of kept letting Cleveland hang around, even though you felt like they were the better team and had control. And then that turnover changed the game completely. And I mean, man, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, like you said, Cleveland. Yes, it is. We know that. Uh, it was a fun game to watch. Derek Carr was this close to being like the GOAT in a bad way. Really was, but he rebounded with a clutch performance. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't know, Mike. I guess what I want to say is, you know, Cleveland... I respect them. They got talent. I like what they did. I don't know if they can get in. I don't know. It's going to be tougher down the stretch. And I look at the Raiders, and again, like respect factors real there, right? I, I, they've gone through a lot of adversity, but I don't want to see them in the playoffs this year either. I was like torn watching the game yesterday. I'm like, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I mean, I respect Rich Bisaccia, what they went through with Gruden, all of that, the Henry Rugg situation. But, man, I mean, are they really a playoff football team? I don't know about that. And then Cleveland, of course, I do think has playoff talent, but is fighting through COVID adversity. Um, but I give a lot of respect to them from last night. Nick Mullins, he was gutty, you know, gritty, I guess is what I want to say. And uh, it was a fun game to watch. But ultimately, I think the team that was better last night won the football game, even though it was, you know, gut-wrenching for the Browns. COVID adversity or not, they should not have been seven and six going into that that's, game. That's they have the underachieved point. this right. year. That's the they point. They are not the right. team that everyone expected them to be. And this is the every other year phenomenon for the Browns. One year, the expectations are high and they fail, dropping the expectations the following year and they thrive, raising the expectations for the following year and they fail. And they're on this yo-yo cycle now because you know what's going to happen next year. All oh, the Browns stunk last year and there's... So, the reality is there are a lot of good teams 
in the AFC. Can we put that graphic up again? Yeah. I understand why you don't want the Raiders in the playoff field. All due respect, Raiders fans, there are too many good teams for a team that's kind of marginal. That's what I has I'm some moments, exactly. but loses too many games and and wakes up too late in other games. There, you know, you take all those seven and I'm sorry if you're seven and seven. Other than the Dolphins who have won six in a row, if you're seven and seven, stand down, go away. But the problem is they're still very much alive. No, and Chris, Chris. Look, look at what's happened. I'm telling you, that tie against the Lions, look, there they are. I know they got tough three games, but they're creeping up. And it's the ultimate way to leapfrog all the seven and seven teams. And at the end of the day, it could be that it's the way to leapfrog the ten and seven teams. I know the Steelers got three tough games to finish the season, but ten, six, and one, because I think there is going to be a traffic jam of ten and seven teams in the AFC, and it's going to come like down it. to tiebreakers, and some are going to get in, and some are going to get go home, and it's not going to be very satisfying because you say I had the same record as a team that got a ticket to the postseason party, and there's going to be like six teams that are ten and seven, but that's the way it is. Yeah, no, it is the way it is. Not all records are created equal to. There is something to like, hey, the teams you lost to, the teams you beat, you know, there is, there is something to that. There's no doubt. I mean, again, if you want to throw that graphic up there, yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot of teams there right now that are underwhelming. Don't really know if I really want them there. I look at the top eight teams and go, I just want seven out of those top eight teams to go, you know, with the Ravens being that, you know, eighth team there. That, that, that to me. Is, is the playoffs. Now, I know there's, hey, Pittsburgh's dangerous. The Raiders, it's a great story. Cleveland, they got talent, but they underachieved. The Dolphins on fire. Uh, but I always root for the top seven teams or the top teams okay. to make the playoffs. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me the seven teams right. from the AFC. Right. If you were if you were the NCAA selection yeah. committee, who right. are the seven teams you would want in? Well, I, I to me right now, we got like the seven for this. I like six out of the seven for sure. The team I go back and forth with is the Chargers and the Ravens. I tend to lean more towards the Ravens than the Chargers, but won't be mad if either one of them get in because I do at least think they're certainly in the top eight conversation. But, yeah, that's the only difference I would throw out there. I'd I'd rather see the Ravens. I think they make the playoffs better. I don't know how good the Chargers are. I'd like analytics to fall on its face a little bit. I kind of like that after last Thursday. So there's a part of me, as much as I love Justin Herbert and was one of his biggest fans, it's not personal to him. I'd rather see the Ravens get in. You know, Lamar Jackson and the big bad Ravens. Oh, because oh, they, they do know well, analytics. Well, their analytics is annoying either. too. Trust me, I know. It's <laughs> annoying as well. Uh, but there's something about them in the playoffs, I guess, that I like better than the Chargers is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll agree with you on the Ravens. Yeah. I'll agree with you on the Ravens. And I, I'm what I'm I'm going to do is really disappoint myself because I would be eliminating my preseason Super Bowl winner. I would say kick the Bills to the curb because they've had their chances to be the team oh, they were supposed wow. to be, and they've failed. They weren't very good on Sunday against the Panthers. No, they if weren't. I would take and, and I thought about wiping out the Bengals, but you know what? I, I want Joe Burrow in. See, if we were Me picking too. the teams and we could and it, it's just our choice. I'm thinking, who are the quarterbacks that are going to make this spicy? Sure. Joe Burrow makes it spicy. Justin Herbert makes it spicy. And I know Josh Allen does as well, but he doesn't have anybody around him right now. No, I know. And, I, and, know. and I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't want to be frustrated for three hours when the Bills lose their wild card game, thinking, why did I let this team in here? So, yeah, I would go with everybody who's in, but I would swap out the Bills for the Ravens. And who knows, that, that may be how it plays out. Now, for the Browns, we mentioned them earlier. They do have the short week and the 
trip to Lambeau Field, which is not good. They follow that with a trip to Pittsburgh on Monday night, which will be Ben Roethlisberger's final home game. Good luck with that. And then they have to go to Baltimore, where the Ravens quite possibly will need to win in order to get in. Good luck with that. The Browns are – oh, wait, they have the Bengals. Yeah, you're mixed up. You're mixed schedule. up. You're right. I mixed Keep up. I, I mixed up Steelers yeah. and Bengals. Right. But they still have they got the Bra- they got the Bengals to finish the season. Now, they've already destroyed the Bengals in Cincinnati. But with the Bengals, you, you do not know what you're going to get. It is truly a coin flip every week with the Bengals. So, you know, I could see the Browns go one and two. I could see them go two and one. They could go 0 oh and three down the stretch. They could. We just don't know. And ha- a lot of it's how they react to this one because if they go to Lambeau on Christmas Day and get destroyed, they may lose the final two. That may be the point where they fold the tents and go home. Yeah, well, I'd have a hard time thinking. I mean, I'm picking Green Bay. I know that. You know, again, respect for Cleveland. But, man, you had a bunch of guys who didn't really get to practice last week. Now you're on a four-day work week here. Or, you know, what is it, five days? Got to play Saturday in Green Bay. Packers are playing for number one seed. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look good. Miles Garrett looked like he pulled his groin somewhere in the early fourth quarter last night. Wouldn't think that bodes well for him playing this weekend. That That's tough. I mean, there's just, again, there's things to respect about the Cleveland Browns football team. But, you know, even, even as you look at it last night, you know, hey, we know Nick Chubb's the man. But passing game, I know Nick Mullins was in there. But really, what you know, how good is it going to be? You know, we saw when it was at full health, it wasn't always that great. You know, Jarvis Landry's out. You know, what, what what's his status going to be? I mean, I guess there's just question marks across the board with the Cleveland Browns really right now. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. You know, again, Mostly- I get, give him credit for hanging around last night. I really do. Uh, but, but, man, I mean, for a team as talented as they are, for us sitting here seven on seven, three weeks left, and the fact that they might not get in, uh, to me, would be one of the surprising stories if you told me that before the year to go, man, Cleveland might not get in the playoffs. They're 7-on-7. Seven seven. I'd go, what? What? Would that roster really? I mean, that would be one of the shocking things to me if you told me that before the season. You mentioned Jarvis Landry. Yeah. He missed the game because he's on COVID reserve. Most of those guys should be back. They should be back, by, right? Yeah. By yeah, Saturday. Right. I mean, the, right. the whole purpose of Thursday's dramatic change to the COVID protocol was to enhance and accelerate the process of getting back to the point where you know they thought maybe they had a chance to get Baker Mayfield back yesterday he tweeted out on Sunday he's got no symptoms he's hoping for a negative test and my understanding was that the Browns attitude was we're we're getting ready with the guys we have anybody we get is a bonus I think they ultimately got Josh Johnson back yeah uh, but other than that or John Johnson back excuse me different position altogether but uh, John Johnson made it back but you know the rest of them should should be back by Saturday. Miles Garrett looked like he had a groin injury there, or an LA Lakers injury, but it looked yeah. more like a yeah. more like a groin pull. Right. Uh, and uh, now we'll have to keep an eye on whether or not he's impacted because you got that quick turnaround. You got the Monday to Saturday, and th- this is one of the realities of shifting the games around, and that's going to be one of the challenges as well when it is time to start propping up extra windows throughout the week, making sure that players have enough time to rest and recover so they can turn around and have a meaningful game. But that's what's got to hurt the Browns. They gave everything they had yeah. with who they had right. to try to win that game, and they lost it, and now they have to pick up the pieces and and go to Lambeau Field on Christmas. It's one of those things that it looked kind of fun and neat when the schedule came out, and now if you're the Browns, you got to be dreading, dreading this one. Of all places to go on Christmas Day to Lambeau Field, 
after what happened last night and after everything they've been through, just the excitement and the wonder of the opportunity, it just, it's got to feel like they're marching to the gallows on this one. Yeah, And, well, and it's going to be for bit. Kevin Stefanski to overcome that vibe in the locker room. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. But, I mean, again, you know, as, as talented as they are, if they want to show that they're a playoff team or be a playoff team, these are the type of wins they're going to have to get. And they don't have a lot of them this year. I mean, that's, you know, plain and simple. There's not a lot of, like, marquee wins that came out of Cleveland this year. So, uh, I mean, this is, yeah, it's going to be tough sledding. There's no doubt about it. You know, again, uh, just, uh, I was, I guess, again, it's hard to criticize Cleveland last night for what they did. They did a lot of good. They really are. I was disappointed as the game was going along going, I understand they're missing a few guys on defense, but... Man, I just it was on the defense to me to, to make a play, do some things. They did that. They kind of delivered. The run game, Nick Chubb, man, it was off to a slow start. It finally got going in the fourth quarter. Um, so I don't know, but they better get hot here down the stretch. It just is a weird game altogether. You came away going, I'm actually more impressed with Cleveland and their gritty, their gritty effort, you know, minus almost 20 guys on the football field. And then we're not even talking about the team that won the game because we're going, eh. I mean, they were at full strength, and they barely beat that Cleveland team. That's underwhelming, too. It was a weird game. It's a weird game to talk about this morning. It's a weird game to break down in general. It really is. It's weird because there's no, like, glaring storyline to go with. It's just like, hey, Browns, good job fighting hard with Nick Mullins. And Raiders, way to get a win against a C-minus team on the road. What the hell were you doing? Why did you have to kick a game-winning field goal with no time left to win it? That, that, so it really is odd. I, I find myself almost at a struggle to kind of explain or break down interesting things of the game. You know me. I'm never light on like talking or having an opinion about a football game, but it was kind of one of those where it's like, yeah, what you saw is what you got. I don't know if there was any under, underlying storylines to, story to the game or anything like that. It's a weird one last night. It really was. Well, some games with exciting finishes yeah. are exciting start to finish. And some games are just kind of a slog through two and a half, three quarters, and then they find their groove yeah. unexpectedly, yeah. which makes them memorable. And this one found its groove late. Right. And early on, it was just kind of like, oh, boy, what's really going on here? But uh, it did get exciting. And you mentioned the Browns' schedule this year. I'm scrolling through their wins and their losses. Their signature win was forty-one to sixteen at Cincinnati, yes, week nine. Right, that, that's the one that stands out. That's right. the one where we thought, "Oh boy, maybe they have begun to figure this out." They beat that's the Vikings it, in Minnesota maybe. in yeah. week four. Right. That one, yeah, they, yeah they'll know, they, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. I, I think they said last night the Vikings currently have a thirty-one percent chance of making it to the postseason. Yeah. So, you know, and beating the Ravens on Sunday night. Was it Sunday night? It wasn't Sunday night. It was last Sunday afternoon. They they lost on Sunday night, sixteen to ten in Baltimore, and then two weeks later they won twenty four twenty two after they had that lead and almost blew it. I think the one win that stands out is at Cincinnati. I think, and so. that one has a chance to get neutralized uh, in in week eighteen when they play the Bengals again. So yeah, I mean the just, Ravens game, Lamar got hurt. The Broncos game, Teddy Bridgewater, you know. Uh, no, I'm I'm mixed up there. That wasn't that game. I'm I'm mixed up. Teddy Bridgewater played throughout that football game. 
but didn't play great. But it's still the Broncos. I but mean, it's I the, the Broncos, Broncos exactly seven, right. But it's not a signature win. No, that, that that's the point. I mean, he really looked through it. They they beat the teams for the most part that you thought they'd beat. And the Bengals game was the one where he went, oh, they're in Cincinnati. I don't know if they'll do that. And they dominated the football game. You're right. That's the marquee game of the year, at least in my opinion. And that's what's kind of, you know, again, underwhelming, disappointing about the Browns altogether. It is. You know, it just uh, – the defense is a little underwhelming, in my opinion. You know, they they kind of feast on the poor. Uh, they get they they dominate the bad offenses in football. The good offenses in football seem to move the ball fine on them and score and always score enough to win a football game. The offense is all over the place. Doesn't matter who's quarterback. Running games okay, maybe the consistent, but the passing game we've talked about that. Yeah, there's just issues in Cleveland altogether. I don't know if they're really a playoff quality football team when you really break it down and and I think there's other teams that are more deserving but it's basically the same team that it was I know that's what's crazy and I understand I understand that if you stagnate sometimes you drop and and not having Odell Beckham Jr. and you know if they just would have found a way to work it out with him and have that threat in the offense and open things up underneath and make it easier to run the ball if you're going to stack up against the run we're going to find Odell Beckham Jr over the top look there's got to be a hell of a story to tell on all the push and pull in the back and forth behind the scenes regarding Baker Mayfield and Odo Beckham Jr. and some of that's creeping out and because Mayfield didn't play on Monday night the drama surrounding him has been back burnered the COVID stuff kind of took over and and sucked the oxygen away from this lingering Baker Mayfield issue but Chris that is the a topic for the Cleveland Browns in the offseason, oh, what are you going to do right. with Baker Mayfield? Are you going to try to upgrade a quarterback? Are you going to extend Baker Mayfield for some sort of a second-tier quarterback deal? And if you're settling for a second-tier quarterback deal, that means you're settling for a second-tier quarterback. Is that what you really want to do? They have a tough organizational decision to make, although Baker Mayfield has made it easier by potentially alienating some of the fans by alienating teammates behind the curtain when they got into the whole Odell Beckham thing. I think it's going to be easier than it would have been a year ago for the Browns to make a conscious uncoupling with Baker Mayfield if that's where it is. There's a couple of his tweets from the game last night. Stadium better be so damn loud when the defense is back on the field. Now, you know, when you consider some of the things he said about the fans in the past, that has a different vibe to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, because the people who booed and they're the ones who who are uh, too loud when we're trying to operate offense. I, I, I have a feeling I have a feeling that uh, the Browns uh, may wake up one day between the end of the regular season and the start of new, the new league year on March 16 and decide that they're going in a different direction. Then you have a plan, but I have a feeling they may they may decide it's time to go in a different direction for Baker Mayfield. Well, the last three games are going to dictate a lot. We're going to see how he plays. Either way, I mean, listen, I, I've seen enough at this point already. I don't really care about the last three games. I don't know how you feel about this, but like, I just want to go, okay, I mean, hey, Baker, we, we've seen good and we've seen high-quality play enough to just go, wait, you know, when he's playing at his best, he – He's pretty damn good, and he he can lead your team maybe into Kansas City, and maybe you can upset a Kansas City Chiefs team in a divisional playoff game. I mean, he is capable of that. The problem is, is like those are the peaks. The valleys are very low. That's the issue. And then so are the emotional peaks and values uh, valleys that go along with that. To your point, so it's a little bit of everything. And what I want to just go is like again, I just go, you know, don't do anything. 
You know, or or or, or they're not going to get rid of him. They're not. He's the number one pick in the draft. They're not. But they don't have to sign him to a long-term contract. I would be shocked if they got rid of him, Mike. I'll say that. I'll be shocked. But I would not give him a long-term contract. I would go, wait, we got a fifth-year option. We've already exercised that, right? They've already exercised that. Yes, I think I yes, remember that yes. right. Then just go with that. million for next year. Yeah, just go with that. That, that, that to me, would be, be the way to go here. But uh, I certainly wouldn't extend him to some sort of Josh Allen-type contract or anything like that. There's no way, no how. You're right. If you were to extend, extend him, to me, it would be for what you say, you know, for to use your phrase, a second-rate quarterback deal. Again, I think he's the perfect guy to finally draw, draw that, you know, line in the cement to go, hey, you know, <laughs> you like that one? Draw that in that there. That not. You've, you've had you've had better slash worse. I I really got like stuck for a second. I was like, wait, sand cement? I'm not sure. But either way, like uh, th this is the opportunity. Don't go into Jared Goff or Carson Wentzville here. Like this is the one. If you do want to sign him long term, you give him a deal that shows, hey, you're being paid. You're a starting quarterback. You're not the top ten quarterbacks in football. We like you. And some of the things, but you're not a superstar. And here's 27 million a year, 28 million a year, something of that nature. It's a ton of money. Do you really want to turn it down? You know, and and I don't even know if I would offer that right now if I'm Cleveland. I'm going fifth year option. I need another year of evidence to see because this last year was all over the freaking place. But that's what occurred to me earlier. We've been talking about the reality that at some point. One of these teams, instead of just using a very simple pass-fail, and if you pass, you become the highest-paid quarterback in football. We went through that cycle with Andrew Luck, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, yeah. Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan. It was just one guy gets a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and now there's separation in the market with Patrick Mahomes at 45, Dak Prescott at 40, Josh Allen at 43, and then you've got the gap down into the mid to low 30s, although... Aaron Rodgers should not be at 33 and a half, but plenty of other guys are in that range. I feel like the league has caught, caught on to this, right? I mean, I feel like this. We have to see it in action, yes. but I do feel like yes. I've talked to people who are going, I think, you know, you guys are on to something here. But my question is this, and yeah. it occurred to me for the first time today as I was articulating it, if you're going to settle for a second-rate contract, yeah. you're settling for a second-rate quarterback. Is that what you want to do, or do you aspire to have something better because you could go draft a second-rate quarterback and pay him a hell of a lot less than $27 million a year or $30 million a year. You could take your chances with a young guy who may develop into a second-tier option. So it's a tough philosophical decision because you're asking yourself, what kind of production am I only going to get out of a second-tier quarterback, and is it enough to get us to where we want to be? Now, depending upon the team you have around him, maybe it is. Maybe you can you can yeah. go Trent Dilfer in the Ravens. Maybe you can build a suffocating defense in a great running game, and you don't need a quarterback who can who can do the things that the best quarterbacks in the NFL do. But I feel like there's this yearning by the teams that don't have one of the truly best quarterbacks in the game to go get one, and they won't rest, they won't sleep, they won't stop until they get one. And of course, there's only so many. But you know, it's that Panthers David Tepper mindset. I got to get. A franchise quarterback. I got to get a franchise quarterback, and may maybe the Browns' play is, you know what? Not everybody's going to have a franchise quarterback. We right. want to have a franchise that can be successful. So, you know, the key is going to be to get Baker to buy into it. That's the other side of it. 
you got to get the guy to buy into it. Baker may have a finger for the Browns. You pick which one and say, see you later. And, you know, given the way he's wired, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they start down the path of a second tier option for Baker Mayfield. I wouldn't be surprised if he says, no, I'm not interested. If I'm going to be a second tier quarterback, I'm going to go. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, may, maybe, else. maybe, you know, again, that's that's risky on his side and on his, you know, behalf as well. It is. It's risky. You know, I, again, I don't think people are going to beat down doors this year after watching film of breaking down Baker Mayfield and be like, we got to have him. We'll give you the first rate contract that Cleveland won't. We just watched your film and that's, yep, we're going to do it. That's where I'd go. He's risking it there. You know, he's in a place where, again, when you're the first pick, you know, he does have a personality and, and things that people do like. We know that he's a pain in the butt, too. But I, I would have a hard time thinking he calls the bluff like that on Cleveland. I would, Mike. You know, again, it, it's hard to go somewhere else with a lot of what ifs and ooh, I hope this works out. And oh, man, I got to prove to this group all over again, you know, that I am good or worth, you know, I'm the franchise guy, all of that. Those are battles that there's a lot of unknowns there. And at least he knows what he's getting in Cleveland. And again, Cleveland, the way their team is built, you know, they got a lot of resources and talent on their defense, the offense, the offensive line, the running backs. I don't know if they necessarily need that superstar quarterback, to your point, to a degree. Maybe they can take that, you know, like you said, uh, you know, second rate quarterback, play through the team and try to play football and win a, win a championship that way. I don't think it's that crazy. I don't, you know, again, top Top five, top six, top eight quarterbacks don't grow on trees. At some point, some of these teams are just going to be have to have to be content with having the number twelve or thirteen or fourteen quarterback in football, and and see if you can make the best of it. And and here's where the game has changed over the past few years because of the influx of young quarterbacks that are 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 hitting the ground running and are getting teams more willing to roll the dice on young quarterbacks. They're more willing to move on from the guys that they have. There is a glut every year. Not a glut, but relative to how it used to be, it's a glut of veteran quarterbacks that you can choose from. I think back to when Kirk Cousins became a free agent. That was the first time you had a healthy quarterback on the right side of 30 who was available to be signed, who had done enough that there would be teams out there, even though it ultimately was just the Vikings and the Jets, that would say, hey, I'm interested in that guy. So if Baker Mayfield, 2018, were becoming a free agent there would be somebody that would say, oh my gosh, we got to go get Baker Mayfield because it's not like we have some other option. Yeah. But there are other options now if you're looking second-tier guy. And it's going to fuel other teams to go in a direction other than Baker Mayfield or not offer him a huge contract like Cousins got at the time, $28.5 million a year, the highest-paid guy in the NFL, 28 I think it was. And for the Browns, as they are planning their future, it's not just, can we get Russell Wilson? Can we get Aaron Rodgers? Do we want Deshaun Watson? Do we trade up for a rookie? It's, is there another guy out there? And and look, this is a team, you talked about analytics earlier, this is a team fully committed to the analytics of roster construction. I'm still surprised they offered Nick Chubb as much money as they did, even though it's not top of the market. I thought their attitude would be, hey, Nick, thanks for the memories. We got Kareem Hunt. We'll go draft somebody else. We'll draft another Nick Chubb, and he'll become the new Nick Chubb because we're going to pay him a hell of a lot less money than we're paying you. But my point is, if they apply that mindset that they've been using to roster construction with Paul DePodesta there to you know bring that baseball 
attitude, and I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying it, it, it's what it is. Yeah. They may look around at, at the, the second-tier or third-tier quarterbacks that are on the market and say, maybe this is our guy because we can get him for a lot less than $27 million if that's what we're willing to pay Baker Mayfield. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're my, you might be right. Now, now who that you know, second-tier guy that becomes available, you know, again, th- those are things that, yeah, we'll have to see as, as you know, the season ends, free agency comes about, see who's available there, and do they really want to do that? You know, do they want to bring a new guy in, learn him, teach him the offense, go from there? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things at play there, certainly. But, uh, you know, I think the one thing we know or we don't expect is a long-term Baker Mayfield contract. That's the one thing I think that, to me, is pretty clear between what both of us think here. I would say most people I talk to in football would probably second those, those comments there. Uh, why would you pay him anything long-term at this point? We'll see where it goes. We really will. Uh, but, yeah, crazy year in Cleveland altogether. I mean, just team inconsistent, a lot of different storylines. Now it was COVID, just all over the place, certainly. I give them a lot of credit for their effort last night. I do. I mean, both of those teams, they both have had a lot of adversity. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, I don't want to see either one in the playoffs, and I don't know where it's going to go from here. I know that. Looking ahead to March, yeah. some of the quarterbacks that are – expected to be available via free agency and of course trades would be a possibility as well but some of the names I'm just going to throw them out there Marcus Mariota Teddy Bridgewater got a history with Kevin Stefanski and and you could argue has been more consistent than Baker Mayfield this year Jacoby Brissett Jameis Winston Tyrod Taylor Cam Newton Nick Foles Andy Dalton Ryan Fitzpatrick and at the top of the list at least based upon what he's making this year a guy named Ben Roethlisberger, and wouldn't that be wouldn't that be something? Stop Not it. that it would happen. Yes. Wouldn't that be something though? Because he's an Ohio native. I get it. Wouldn't that be something if Ben decided when the dust settled on twenty twenty one, and he realized they were nudging him out of Pittsburgh? And I know the reports are it's highly unlikely he'll play for anybody else. But wouldn't that be something if he went to Cleveland for one year? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Well, I mean, and you're... he's. He's done, as Pete points out, he's done really well in that stadium in large part because the Browns have sucked for most of his career. So it's easy to get that win every year when you go to Cleveland. But now it's a little harder to come by. But he got one this year in his swan song in Cleveland. Yeah. You know, I bet there's some, I bet there's some Browns fans out there that would immediately say, if I could choose between one more year with Ben Roethlisberger or one more year with Baker Mayfield, they'd take Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Well, just for that whole Brett Favre maybe. to the Vikings vibe. You might be right. I'd go, yeah, you're stupid then, Cleveland fans that think that. I would say that. I mean, it's over for Big Ben. He's definitely one of the four or five worst quarterbacks in football. I don't know any way to say it. I'm sorry. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Damn. I don't know what else to say. You mean starting quarterback. Yes. You mean that's starting what I mean. quarterback. Right. You're not yes. throwing Mike Glennon into no, this No, exactly right. right. No, he's at the bottom of the list as far as starting quarterbacks are concerned. I, I don't know any other way to say it. I'm sorry. And I don't mean to say that. I love Big Ben. You know me. I've stuck up for him. I think he's borderline one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks ever. I do. But at that list you just read off there, I'm keeping Baker Mayfield. I'm not, I don't want any of those guys. I'm going to keep Baker Mayfield, finish out that fifth-year option, see where it goes from there because none of those guys inspire me or make me feel like they even have the potential to do some of the things that when Baker Mayfield is hitting on all cylinders can do. He still does have talent. He can be a pain in the butt. But when he's hot – and he is playing well. Man, his good is pretty damn good. I, I mean, I think we could argue last year, last six, seven weeks of the year into the playoffs, you, you could certainly say Baker Mayfield was playing like a top 10-ish quarterback in football. 
He's shown that ability. You know, he loses his way mechanically at times. He can become a little impatient. And then, hey, the other thing, too, is, again, it's not a great offense. I don't know any other way to say it. It's built to run the ball. It's not great. We've talked about this a lot. It's not great when they have to drop back and throw the football. It's very simple. It is. There's lack of creativity there. So I think we got to give Baker Mayfield a little bit of the benefit of the doubt from that standpoint as well, uh, no doubt. I don't Who's know. the worst starting quarterback right now in the NFL? Who would you say? Because as George Carlin once said, somewhere in the country there is the worst doctor in America, yeah. and someone has an appointment with him this morning. Who is the worst starting quarterback Man. right now? Not 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 injury injury yeah, replacement. Right. I'm talking about top of the depth chart. If he's healthy and not on the COVID list, who's the worst one? Man, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I, I, I mean, to me, when I just my first thought, my first thought as I look at it. You know, again, and listen, we could talk about rookies, but I'm not going to throw them in there because the rookies, there's a, there's a potential factor too. So, like, guys like, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, yeah, it's a little all over the place, but I've seen some good where I'd go, ooh, the guys I'm about to mention, when they're good, they can't even do that. So I'm still taking Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson over those type of guys. I mean, Jared Goff certainly comes to the mind comes to mind when you get into that How conversation. How dare you? I know. It's him. He you beat know? the Cardinals I, on Sunday. I know, but you know, I, I that that to me is probably where I would go. I, I think if I sit here and look at it, yes, that was that would probably be where I go. Right. You know, I don't know. Um, again, after uh, that, you get into uh, 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 uh again, Houston's got you know, Davis Mills. He's a rookie. I don't think he's really a starting quarterback. I think they're going to be in the market for getting a starting quarterback this offseason with that. You know, I, I think he's a really high-end backup. You know, Daniel then, Jones has got to be down there. Daniel Jones has got to be down in the bottom five. If Ben's in the bottom five, Daniel Jones is in the bottom five. He's had chance after chance after chance for the light bulb to come on, and it's just not coming on. He holds the ball too long, yeah, sure. and it feels like the Giants are done with him. they got to decide on the fifth-year option, right? They haven't picked up his fifth-year yeah, option, have right. they? No, nope. they haven't picked no, it up yet. Not. They got to pick it up. Yeah, no. he's only got three years in. So, uh, yeah, I, th I think well, he, he's down he probably there. is. He is probably down there again. I think there's a little more more potential too than than maybe people realize with Daniel Jones. But that's what I would argue. But but you're right. He's towards the bottom of the list. There's no doubt about that. You know, I I think if, right now in Carolina, whoever the starter, whoever is, the and I'm starter not sure who is, it sure. Is, is yeah. has got to be down there. No, no doubt about it. You know, again, I'm going to put Teddy Bridgewater down there in the bottom. I am. I'm sorry. He's just a high level backup quarterback to me. That, that, that's that. That's where I'm going to go with that. You know, and then yeah. I, I, but I know, no, but I think I, was, I think we kind of hit hit on it for the most you got, part. You got the you got the T right. I was trying to I was trying to bait you into another quarterback whose whose name starts with with T. Oh, I'm not. No, I'm not going to two anon. He's um, not. He's he's towards the. He's to, hey, listen. He's in the the list of towards the bottom ten of football to be bottom twelve. He's not a top twenty quarterback in football. That's not. That's for sure. I mean, if we're gonna talk that way, definitely not. Um, you know, and and I think yeah, I'm just looking at the rest of the group there. You know, again, I think we hit on the the ones that are questionable. Taylor Heineke. I'm gonna probably throw him in that list as well towards the bottom. I am. He's gutsy. He's gritty. I know that. There's exciting plays. All of that. 
But there's also some lots of underwhelming stuff, too, there. Again, I think it's on the cusp of high-end backup, low-level starter. I don't know what he is. The thing, again, we go back to and to what you said, there's not a quarterback problem in football. There's not. There's plenty of good quarterbacks to go around, and your team can win with them. You know, it doesn't always have to be a superstar, but there's plenty of good ones there that you know can help a team win when you really break it down and look at them across the league. Yeah, and it's kind of getting to the point where quarterbacks are like pizza places. Like even the bad ones are still pretty good. Yeah, so that's, that's right. That's kind of where we're at. Exactly right. No doubt. Pete, Pete keeps telling me to go to break, but I, there's one point that I've been holding that I just want to make, just because I want to be fair to Baker Mayfield here. I want to be fair to Baker Mayfield because we do give him a hard time for the the yeah you know, he's a little surly with the media at times and yeah, you know, but but I'll say this: Can you imagine? The extent to which we all would have lost our minds if in his most recent game, Baker Mayfield had thrown an interception, run to the opposing sideline, and yelled into the face of one of the coaches, go F yourself, and then trashed the tablet and thrown it into a garbage heap. And can you imagine what the reaction would have been if Baker Mayfield, Tom Brady does it, there's hardly a peep. If Baker Mayfield had done that, it would be the number one topic and we'd all be talking about what an awful person Baker Mayfield is. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, you're, you're, no one's allowed to say anything about Tom Brady. That's what frustrates me. That's why I'm tired of it. I am. And I always look like the hater. I look like the hater because I bring those things up. We're getting there later. We're getting there later. I know. But it's just, you know. Again, it's like people people last week want to know why. Like, why did the Bills come back against the Bucks? And I'm like, let's see. Wait, I watched this game back twice. It's pretty evident. Tom Brady played like crap. In the third, end of the second, third. Merry Christmas, everybody. I know, ho, but you're not ho, allowed to say ho. that. But it, it goes into that. Ho, you know? Again, ho, you're not allowed to ho. ever say that. And that's what annoys me. And I, if I have to be the Brady hater and do that, then fine. I mean, not one playoff schedule the other night. Nothing. No making plays outside the realm of the offense. But he's going to win the MVP. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's that's where it's that's where I feel about that. That's crazy. That's crazy that he's going to win the MVP. It's absolutely insane. During the upcoming break, I will be encouraging Chris to be more candid with his feelings and to come out of his shell. We'll discuss the Bears and Vikings game when this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Seems like it was pretty chippy out there, too. What was uh, the vibe like between the team? Chicago always like that. They like to talk trash, um, get us out of our game a little bit. That's, that's what they do. You know, we just play our own game, mind our own business, keep playing football. I don't know. They just be liking to talk just to talk uh, sometimes. But, I mean, I like that. I like that energy. It gets me more fired up. So, if they want to keep doing it, go ahead. Justin Jefferson got his Pro Bowl jersey before the game. The NFL announcing some of the members of the Pro Bowl rosters the day before they announce all of them. I think we care less and less about the Pro Bowl a year without it, and we hardly missed it. But we'll be hearing everyone who's made it to the Pro Bowl coming up later today, including Justin Jefferson. The Vikings trying to get to the playoffs with a 17-9 victory. It didn't come down to the last play, although there was a score on the last play that but for the 2018 rule that dispenses with the extra point on a final play touchdown, if it's irrelevant to the outcome, ended up preserving the Vikings minus seven, which is what the final spread became because the Bears had a bunch of guys on the COVID reserve list. But, you know, it was just kind of a weird, sluggish, it was like the Vikings, you know, when you have one of those dreams and you feel like everything you try to do is in slow motion. I feel like everything the Vikings were trying to do was in slow motion, but they were still doing what, they needed to do their defense was opportunistic and or lucky but the offense just always felt like it was off I mean Kirk Cousins had 87 passing yards the lowest total of his entire career Chris and uh you know if if I'd have seen his stat line going into the game I'd have said here's another one of those Bears beat the Vikings at Soldier Field well yeah I mean you're right Bears should have beat the, 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 the Vikings at Soldier Field, except they're a dumpster fire of issues. I mean, that's where it's like that. You know, Mike, in all honesty, I think they outplayed the, the Vikings in a lot of ways last night. But I mean, it, two fumbles, blocked field goal, penalties everywhere. You know, I mean, dropped a punt, you know, bad fourth down calls, a horrible challenge on a touchdown where it was like, we're going to commercial break. The guy didn't catch it. He doesn't even have, he didn't catch the ball, let alone he definitely wasn't in bounds. He didn't catch it. I mean, Shin was down, but he didn't, I think he got so caught up on the Shin being yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. He missed the missed fact the that fact the ball that he didn't was hold that. the ball. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it, it was, it, it, I feel like, again, the Vikings won the game, right? But I feel like a little bit like I felt like with the Raiders in the last conversation. Do we really got to talk about them just because they won the game? Do we really got to talk about them? Like, please, I don't want to. The Vikings are another one of those teams that I will classify in the Chris Sims CIA files to go, I don't want to see you in the playoffs. Please, I don't want to see you. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, just a weird game altogether. Yeah, I mean, they won because they're a little bit more battle-tested. They got a little more maturity on their football team, 
and the Bears have a propensity to screw things up like no other team I've ever seen with just dumb penalties, turnovers, stupid management of the game. It's It was unbelievable. And that, that to me, would be my takeaway from the game more than anything, Mike. I'm sorry to disrespect your Vikings or anything like that. But, yeah, the fact that we were sitting there, you know, and it was still a game in the third quarter, to me, was was, you know, almost laughable at some points. In this holiday season, why would you want to spoil the dreams of the nine-year-old version of me who can't wait for the Vikings to make it in <laughs> as the seventh seed yes. and lose 41 to nothing to the number two seed? Why would you want to kill that dream? I'm trying to save them to some scars so they're not edgy like you as they grow up. profile <laughs> embarrassment because we know what's coming. If they get into the postseason field, they are going to be, and I know that I'm – I'm running the risk of being old takes. Ooh, don't want to be on old takes exposed. I know I'm running the risk of that and trying to have an opinion on something, but I believe that they will be destroyed in the wild card round unless they get lucky and get to go back to Arizona where they almost won the game. And I, I don't know. I think I don't think the I don't think the Cardinals are going to be the two seed. I think the Vikings are going to have to go to Green Bay or Tampa if they end up in the playoff field, and they will get destroyed in the wild card round. So. What's the point other than the hope that maybe Mike Zimmer saves his job? That's it. I, I know. I mean, you, you, you're right. I mean, again, I, I, I don't know what else to say. There, there's a lot to respect about the Minnesota football team. You know, the way they fought. I know they've, hey, they've, they've hung in there with some of the better teams in football and won some heartbreakers and, and all of that. We certainly could discuss it. But, yeah, to me, there's certainly, you know, an element of the team that, that is not playoff worthy. Uh, it, it really isn't. You know, there's things about it, like I said, that I do respect and I like, but uh, I just think they're a team that's, yeah, on the outside looking in. They're not one of the teams that deserve to be in the big dance. And last night, even though they won 17-9, to and I know that, it just it showed it to me. You know, there, there you are. You got a team that's just that's trying to mess the game up, trying to let you blow them out and win by 30. And they don't even take advantage of it at, at any point and let them hang around and hang around and hang around. You know, and of course the Bears, if you took the Vikings off the field, they'd probably find a way to still mess up the drive and not score points. You know, and they did that for the Vikings. They screwed up opportunities to make it a game over and over and over again on a night where, yeah, I mean, it just was, was crazy. It really was. It's another game where I'm a little conflicted on what to say. To me, what more jumps out is the team who played better also is the team that screwed it up and constantly made mistakes, you know, and that, that reflects, of course, on the coaching, and there's, that's where there's issues in Chicago. I'm looking at the Vikings season now. It's 7-7. Seven and seven. They've led every single game yep. of the year. Their one signature win, and there is no signature win. They're, well, beating the Packers, that's their signature win, 34-31. Right. They have one game where the final score was more than one score, and that was the Seahawks back in week three, but we didn't realize how bad in comparison to their past performances the Seahawks would be. It's just up and down roller coaster. And I, I guess it's, it's odd that it didn't come down to the final play of a game in a game where the Vikings played as poorly as they have in any game all year long because they really did. Their offense was not good. Their defense was opportunistic more than dominant, although they have become the first team since the 1974 Raiders to have two or more sacks in each of the first 14 games of a season. So they got that going for them, which is nice. The Bears, though, Chris, I sensed something from Matt Nagy last night with 
when we go back four weeks to the noise that was kicked up about him possibly being fired after the Thanksgiving game, and we add that to the rule that was passed last week that I really don't think we've yet to get our arms around, the idea that teams are going to be able to interview coaches with two weeks left in the regular season. Two teams already have a head start on that, the Raiders and the Jaguars. But you're going to have to fire the coach you have or tell him it's over after the season. I don't think anybody's going to say to a guy, you're fired and you're the interim coach. I think if you're out, you're out. And they'll they'll give someone else an audition down the stretch because who knows, maybe they find somebody in-house they like. But I'm not going to be shocked if Matt Nagy gets fired this morning or uh, at least if he believed, if you attached him to a lie detector test, he believed last night that that was his last stand because he was acting like a guy. I agree. Who just didn't. I mean, I, and I, I, and I, I thought you were going to go with this. Yeah, I respect that. Right. He was going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. And if you're if you're going to you know throwing the red flag down and yelling at the officials and doing everything he could to try to will his team toward victory, because I think he knew that this was it. If you lose this one, there's a good chance you're going to have to go see George McCaskey today and you're going to have one last conversation with him before they clear the decks and begin their search for a new uh, coach starting officially next Monday. Here's Matt Nagy talking about last night's experience at Soldier Field. Nine total penalties, uh, five personal fouls, uh, one including myself. So um, that it was an emotional game. Um, and <clears throat> I think that it sucks losing, um, but when I'm, you know, talking to the guys and just knowing for, for me to understand where they're at and to see their fight, I appreciate that. What was your conversation with Terrence Miles about, and what was it about that situation that pushed you over the edge to get the play? Yeah, I just again, I saw, I saw what I saw what happened, and uh, you know, our guys are fighting their asses off to get off the field, and I saw what happened, so I just I explained my opinion on it. And, um, you know, I don't regret it. That's the voice of a guy who was yelling and screaming for three hours in yeah. what may have been his last stand. And, you know, the other side of it, too, Chris, and it, it occurred to me last night when you see all the all of the various personal fouls committed by the penalty uh, by the Bears, excuse me, as the game got chippier and chippier. When your head coach gets one early, it's, it's kind of an implicit green light to everybody no doubt, else. No doubt. Exactly right. You know, again, you know, you, you talk about uh, what Matt Nagy was talking about, nine per, you know, nine penalties, all the personal fouls. You know, that's that reflects coaching right there. I mean, period. When you get into that type of stuff, let alone, hey, the careless play on the field, you know, the little lack of attention to detail with, you know, certain plays or, you know, certain management of situations. You know, it just seems to come up a lot, let alone, hey, turnovers, block field goal, can't catch a punt, you know, the, the, all of that. There's just it, – it's not a good look, you know. it's Hey, the Steelers game, you know, on Monday night four weeks ago, they, they line off – they line up offsides like, like 10 out of 14 plays in a row. The referees can't even call the penalty enough because they're like, wait, are they that stupid? They're lining offsides again. I mean, it literally came to that. It's just – there's too much of that in Chicago. I don't know any other way to say it. It really is. You know, and again, I look at Chicago, and I don't think the talent on the field is that horrible. I don't. You know, I understand the GM and the coach are probably going to get fired there, maybe both. But I look at the, some of the players on the field and go, what's wrong? What, what's wrong with that? I, I don't understand. That player's good. You break down their front seven. I go, it's good. They got a corner in Jalen Johnson, who I know he didn't play last night. He's really good. Safeties are pretty good. O-line needs some work. 
but they can run block a little bit. You got two pretty good receivers in Robinson and Mooney. You know, we saw uh, and even the Jakeem, Jakeem Grant. Uh, or, yeah, right. That was him last night, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, Cole Komet. You know, to me, that's where I look at it in weird in a weird way. I I know they're probably both tied at the hip, but I look at it more of the the coaching being an issue in Chicago than anything else. I know this take isn't going to be very popular in Chicago because they're out for blood. But is it not the height of dysfunction for the Bears to have made it to the playoffs in 2018 when they won the division yep. and were ousted by the double doink? Made it to the playoffs last year, and I know it was eight and eight, and it was the first year of the extra spot, but they still made it. They yeah, made they it did. two out of the last That's three right. years, and they went all in for Justin Fields. When what? See, the message that would be sent by a normal, functional football organization when they traded up from twenty to eleven in April was, "We're getting a quarterback here. We're taking Justin Fields. Everybody's safe for at least two years," because. We're not dumb enough to give up next year's first-round pick yeah. on a quarterback knowing that we're thinking about getting rid of the coach or the GM and bringing in somebody else and hoping that they really want to work with that quarterback because it's such a personal decision and you have to be a Justin Fields guy. And good luck finding a Justin Fields guy now because they're not going to tell you the truth when they're trying to get the job as the head coach of the Bears. They'll come in with their own agenda. Once they have their contract, it's fully guaranteed they're going to take over. That's what football coaches do. But but the Bears are dysfunctional. And it's not a slap at Pace and Nagy. They're just the symptoms of the deeper problem in Chicago. And I keep saying, if it, look, if anybody's going this time around, Ted Phillips has got to go. because he. And I don't know why the executives with these teams who aren't part of ownership, yeah. who are the ones who are deciding who gets hired and fired to be the GM and the coach, why are they untouchable? I don't know either. And why is it considered bad form to talk about they need to be fired. Oh, that's bad form. Why? Yeah. Why? I know. This Ted, Ted Phillips doesn't own the team. Right. He's been there 22 years. They've won three playoff games. If Nagy and or Pace are gone, it's time for Ted Phillips to go. And Bears fans, that's what you should be demanding. Because until Ted Phillips is gone, because he's the common link all the way back to 99, every disappointment you've had. I know you went to a Super Bowl once, but it's kind of the aberration. It really is. It's all it's all Ted Phillips. He's the guy that brought you Phil Emery. He's the guy that brought you Mark Tressman. He's the guy that brought you what you currently have that you don't like, although I think you're being a little unreasonable, and I think you're scarred by what's happened in the past. I think if you wipe away everything that came before Pace and Nagy, the fans would be more inclined to be patient with Pace and Nagy. They went to the playoffs two out of the last three years. I, I This is astounding to me that it's just become, become a given that the Bears are going to clean house Below Ted Phillips. If they're going to hit the yeah. button, the eject button's got to be Ted Phillips first, and then everybody else after. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you there, Mike. I'm not. I mean, you're right. It is weird that you know people in that those type of situations or job titles seem to get a free pass more times than not. Certainly, it is a, the one constant there. Yes, things are, you know, again, somewhat of a disaster. I know they made the play. You know, to me, this is too where. I, they made the playoffs two out of three years. We get that. They we get that. But really, like that first year, they were a phenomenal football team, and they lost in the first round of the playoffs to an Eagles team that I know was the defending Super Bowl champion and all that. But you know, they lost to the lesser team in the playoffs. Then don't go to the playoffs. And then last year, you know, yes, eight and eight. But man, to me, again, where I'll, I'll the, the talent's better than eight and eight. They've had a 
unbelievable, like, top-tier playoff-type defense the last few years, too. And, and again, that, that it, it just it hasn't translated into the wins, let alone the Mitchell Trubisky and how that went. And you're an offensive coach. And, you know, of course, the offense is horrible. There's no other way to say that either. So that's where it just it doesn't line up in the favor of anybody there right now. And you're right. It's time, I think, to just clean house. And uh, I don't know if that happens here in the next few weeks or they just wait out the year. But either way, I think it's inevitable as far as the, the coach is concerned. Now, we'll see with Ted Phillips and, and uh, you know, Ryan Pace and see where it goes from there, too. Well, again, that ability to get a head start when others are having a head start. And I think it may be kind of a domino effect, too. As some start, others will jump in because you're not going to want to be the one team that waits until the yeah. end of the regular season. Right. And everybody else has already had their virtual interview with a smattering of candidates or more. Um, I, I will say this, too, on the way to break. After seeing what the NFC North has to offer between the Vikings and the Bears last night, and we know what the Lions are, although they did beat the Cardinals, when the Packers won on Sunday in Baltimore and they're wearing these run the North t-shirts very proudly. It's like, have you looked around? I don't want to take anything away from the Packers, but you haven't exactly conquered the Soviet Union here. I mean, it's the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. I know. If you can't win that division by week 15, something is very wrong with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, well, listen, they can't help the rest of the teams in the division. You're right. Uh, but you still wear it like a badge of honor. You do. I mean, whether the other three teams are good or not, who cares? You, you let them know that you're still the damn Kings. That's for sure. I mean, I, I, I know that. But, yeah, it's just, again, right now, Minnesota's in the playoffs. I just I can't even believe it. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be rooting hard against them down the stretch here. And it's That's not fine. personal. I am too. I, I just don't want to see I it. I am too. I don't. I mean, last night explains it too. I mean, the Bears, I, 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 it's again, it's so similar to the feeling I had with the Raiders. I just go like the Bears, they were missing the whole football team and practiced one day the whole week and you couldn't put them away. And in fact, they outplayed you for most of the night and just messed things up all the time. I mean, literally, like, peed down their leg consistently throughout the game. They really did. It's the only reason the Vikings win, and there they are, 7-7 seven and seven in the playoffs right now. You know, so for part two of breaking a game down, I mean, that's what that is. I can't believe they're in the playoffs. I cannot believe it. Rams, Packers, Bears for the Vikings. Please, they, and Rams. And they get the Rams. They get the Rams coming off of uh, uh, short an even week. shorter week I than know. the Vikings. I know. It's unbelievable. The Vikings play Monday night, and they get more more of a break than the Rams. That's and crazy. the Rams are going to have to fly to Minnesota for this one. But uh, I think the Vikings have to run the table to get in. And I hope they – I look, I, I want good, exciting playoff games. And if the Vikings are in the playoffs, it is not going to be a good game. It is not going to be an exciting game. Uh, because it's going to be seven seed against somebody like the Packers or the Bucks, and it's going to be like, okay, we'll get this one over with and bring on the next one. And speaking of the Bucks, they're very interesting over the past couple of years because they've been good. They're even more interesting when they're going through some turmoil and dysfunction. And currently, there's a little turmoil and dysfunction in Tampa Bay. We'll get you up to speed on all of that when PFT Live continues right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, 
Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.